0: Invest in cleaner transport and your financial goals with Index IQ aligned with National Wildlife Federation. Invest in the Cleaner ETF at CLNR. ETF.com.
1: Consider the funds' investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus includes this and other relevant information about the funds and is available by visiting IQETFs.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Alps Distributors Inc. is the principal underwriter of the ETFs. NyLife Distributors LLC is a distributor of the ETFs. Alps Distributors Inc. is not affiliated with NyLife Distributors LLC. NyLife Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.
0: All right, guys, welcome to today's podcast. And on the podcast today, I've got two friends that we're going to be talking about a tragic camping event that happened. It was so bad, like everything went wrong. I'm happy to say that I only made one really poor decision, but this other guy went through 24 hours of bad decisions. Luckily, he came out of it okay. Nonetheless, it's going to be a great story and a great podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this. And I got to tell you, I'm in Cody, Wyoming right now. It's actually really sweet. I may be heading out to the rodeo here in just a little bit. But my wife and I are on a Western trip in a van that a company actually made, and then they asked if we could test it out. And so we're out here testing out their first prototype, and it's been a lot of fun. We've stopped in some cool places, Monuments Rock in in Kansas, Denver, Colorado, came up to Du Bois, Wyoming after that, and... There are some amazing places that aren't even in the national parks. We went up to Brooks Lake, and if you are ever in the Du Bois area or the Grand Teton area, you have to go up and check out Brooks Lake. $10 to camp overnight there. They've got some primitive camping sites. They've got some like spots that you can pull an RV into, and it's just a really cool spot. The Tetons in the background, a lake down below you, meadows all over. There's no telling what you're going to see. But we did that, then we went through the Tetons, and then Yellowstone, and now we're in Cody, and tomorrow we head to the Badlands. And so I'm pumped about that, but I'm actually really excited to get back to Missouri, because in a couple days, we're going to be kicking off dove season. And that is a big event for us in in Missouri. All the guys that I hang out with, that I hunt with, we all get together and go uh, chase after some doves. So we're going to be doing that. And then shortly after that, we're going to be kicking off teal season as well as the whitetail archery season. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a whirlwind of the next couple of months as I'm going to be out pursuing all these things that I love. For now though, we're going to kick it over to this episode and buckle up because it is crazy. You're going to learn exactly what not to do on a camping trip. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dean had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I've got two guys. One is Tim, or Tim the Pessimist, as he's known around our group. He's been on the show once before. And the other guy is Steven Strigulick, a.k.a. Hot Pockets, a.k.a. Strugi Hauser. How's it going? Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today.
1: I'm excited to come and have a fun night. Let's see what we have in store.
0: Oh, man, it's going to be an awesome podcast because we are going to be talking about a trip that we took in 2010 down to the Buffalo River. And Stephen was lost. How many hours total were you lost? I think it was
1: right at about like a full 24 hours.
0: Gosh, man, that was a rough 24 hours, too. Tim is hearing this along with the listeners for the first time. And so we're going to get his live uh, feedback.
2: Very excited. So I got I to gotta know some details on this, though. Like what side of the Buffalo? Where were you?
0: All right. So we're going to go through all of that. We start, I'm going to start out the day of, right? <laughs> it's a Sunday, and we had a couple days off from college for whatever reason. Um, it was January of 2010, and we were at a, a life group for college, and Stephen was in my life group, and everyone was like, hey, what's everyone got planned for the next couple days? And I just said, oh, you know, I'm going down to the Buffalo River in Arkansas with a few friends. And Stephen, out of nowhere, just goes, oh, sweet, can I come? And yeah. I, was like,
1: I was like, sure, I'd love to go camping.
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, man, uh, well, it's, it's a pretty tough hike. I mean, like, if you have any knee problems, you need a knee brace, like, it's a hard hike getting down to the river. And you're like, oh, no, man, I'm good. And I was like, okay, well, do you have your own equipment and stuff? And he's like, well, what do I need? And I was like, well, you need, like, a camping pack and sleeping bag and a headlamp, water bottle, you know, stuff like that. He's like, oh, yeah, I've got it. I'll I'll be right back.
1: Yeah, I'd say I definitely showed up with the essentials.
0: Dude, you showed up with a Jan Sport backpack, a Coleman sleeping bag still in the original packaging, and it was huge. Like, I couldn't get my arms around it.
1: Probably five feet around.
0: Yeah, and we're on our way down to the Buffalo, and Steven goes, oh, man, I forgot a a flashlight. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. Like, this is going to be a great weekend. And Steven...
1: We should dive in. Uh, So, I guess the other essentials in my pack um, I had one Zippo lighter with very little fuel in it. I think like four pairs of socks and one extra t shirt.
2: And toilet paper. And
1: a roll of toilet paper. You were the
2: toilet paper carrier. So, what made you think you were going to need four pairs of socks?
1: Well, I I figured it was wintertime. And, you know, I'd always heard, like, keep your feet warm and stay dry. And I figured I'd start there. And I thought, well, if we're just going for a day or two, I can wear the same jeans. I just need like a spare T-shirt just in case I get dirty. And on the way back, I'll put a fresh T-shirt on.
0: Dude, didn't
1: really think I'd need much else.
0: He didn't think through a lot of stuff. And we're going to get into all of that because it was a nightmare. It was a good trip. Uh, up until about a hundred yards down the trail, <laughs> when and and where we hiked in is the Compton Trail, and you can go two different ways. One one route's like two point seven miles to the river, the other route I believe is four point one or something yeah, like right that, right over four maybe. And it's it's a pretty steep hike, but for the first three hundred yards, you're walking flat on top of this ridge, and we we haven't even made it off the ridge yet, and Stephen chimes in and goes wow you weren't joking this is a tough hike and I was like whoa the tough hike hasn't started yet this is all downhill and this is the easy part
1: and I'm pretty sure I asked if we were like almost there yet
0: oh I think you asked that a lot throughout (laughs) the trip it was like having a kid like are we there yet like my kids always are we close to Meemaw's house that was Steven on this trip and so we get down to the river we had to cross the river one time and then we went and camped at this horse barn that's out there. And I think it was back in the 50s, the government bought the land from people that lived out there and turned it into the Buffalo National River area. And I think they only paid like 47 cents an acre or something. Oh, it was to them like at that point.
1: really cheap.
0: Yeah, and it's gorgeous. I mean, the whole river is amazing. We've floated the whole thing multiple times. But we get down there. And Steven is dead. I mean, he is just, like, (laughs) not having it at this point. And we're like, hey, man, let's drop our gear, maybe set up camp, and then we'll go on another hike. And Steven's like, man, I'm going to stay back. So we all go on this hike, and it was pretty sweet. We get back, have dinner, you know, have a good time. Well, then the next day we're like, hey, we're going to go explore this spot called Bear Cave Hollow, and we want to see if we can find the Bear Cave because – I figured it was named that because there was a bear cave somewhere. It turns out we never did find a bear cave, but we found this like amphitheater wall uh, at part of the river that feeds into the main buffalo, and it's just moss-covered, dripping, pretty sweet. And then we hiked all the way up, and there's like a triple waterfall that nobody goes to. Everyone goes to Hemden Hollow.
2: Oh, yes, I've been over there. I actually kayaked down to that bend and then walked up there one time. Oh it's yeah, a really we, sweet area.
0: It used to be, like, back then, when we went, you wouldn't see anybody all weekend long. But Stephen, or, well, since then, it's been crazy busy. And uh, it'll be, like, you'll be floating down the river and you get to Horseshoe Bend, which is where you get out for Hemden Hollow, and there will be, like, 30 kayaks parked there now. And everyone's walking up to see the falls.
1: Yeah, no, even camping back then, or even a few years after, when I'd gone back... Uh... It was always empty. Like, you'd maybe see somebody else, but it's it's a rarity for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, now it's just so overrun with people. But the nice thing is we have a lot of good rivers here in Missouri and in Arkansas that we can float that aren't as crowded yet. But I think they're all slowly getting more and more people. So, anyways, we go on this hike, and we are going to leave that day. And we go on this hike, and we get back, and Stephen's like, Hey guys, um, what do you think about me hiking back up to the car before you? That way we don't have, you don't have to wait for me. And we're all like, yeah, I guess I said, Steven, do you know how to get back? Yeah. Okay. So I go down this way and I cross the river and I keep going and he's like, and that just takes me all the way back up. And I said, there's only one change to that. There's a post and you have to take a left at that post. It'll start climbing uphill and then that'll take you straight to the vehicle. And he's like, oh, okay, yep, got it. Seems pretty
1: straightforward. I made
0: him repeat it all to me, like multiple (laughs) times to make sure he knew how to get back. But everyone, it was unanimous. Everybody thought it was a good idea to not have to wait for Steven all the way up the mountain. And, oh, let me back up a little bit. We got to the horse barn the first day, and Steven's like, man, I don't know where my water bottle is. I can't (laughs) find my my water bottle anywhere. So then I had to give him, like, an extra water bottle or, like, a like a a Sawyer water filter bag or something Mm -hmm. like that that he could carry water in.
1: Yeah, it was like a pouch kind of thing that you had extra.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and we gave you, we're like, hey, listen, you pack your stuff up, head back. I also need to know that the entire way down the mountain, I had to carry Steven's giant Coleman sleeping bag because it was too heavy for him.
1: I mean, it probably did weigh like 15 or 20 pounds. Oh my gosh. It
0: it was like one of those big like flannel on one side canvas type on the outside of it. It it was was comfortable though.
1: And like person and a half size.
0: Oh yeah, huge. I mean, I could have fit my whole family in there now. (laughs) And... So we gave Stephen like a 3-hour head start. We're like, you know what, that's perfect. Even if we meet him on the trail, at least we're not waiting for him the entire way up this trail. And so we all head out after packing up camp, 3 hours behind Stephen. And we cross the river, and within I would say 70 yards of crossing the river, I'm walk I'm like leading the pack up the mountain and I see this water bottle in the middle of the trail. And it's like a bright green water bottle. I'm like, how did Steven miss this? This is his water bottle that he lost on the way down. Oh, And I'm like, how did he miss this? That's, Oh, well, you know, he just wasn't paying attention. He was just trying to hike up, whatever. So we continue hiking. I grab the water bottle and we make it, I'd say two thirds of the way up the mountain, maybe a little bit more. And me and my buddy, Jimmy, we said, Hey, we're going to go and check out this abandoned building and we'll meet you guys at the car. And they're like, okay, cool. So Jimmy and I are hanging out. Like we go through the building, checking it all out. And there's little plaques on the outside of it that tell you like a little bit about maybe who lived there or what the building was. And so we get back on the main trail, heading back up to the car. And as we get up to the car, we, like, yelled at the guys. We're like, we're here, you know, and we're about 50 yards away. And the guys go, Steven's not here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, very funny. And they're like, no, we're serious. I'm like, dude, I knew they were going to play some kind of prank on us. And so we, we go up to the car. I'm looking in the backseat. I'm like, pop the trunk. You guys hit him in the trunk. And they're like, dude, I'm telling you he's not here. I'm like, pop the trunk. So they pop the trunk. And when I realized that Stephen really wasn't there, I don't know where I got this from. Maybe it was watching too much Bear Grylls or Survivor Man or something. I went into straight, like, search and rescue mode. I was like, listen, guys, we are going to empty all of our packs out. Only bring what you need. Bring enough food for the night, enough water, headlamps, and extra batteries if you have them. And this is what we're doing. We're splitting up into two different groups. Uh, Me and Jimmy are going to take the one trail down. Jake and Phil to the other guys, I said, You take the other trail down. We're going to go and every 10 minutes yell out for Steven. But if you hear someone yell out, do not respond for at least like two or three minutes so we know it's not Steven or so that we know it's not you responding to our call. You know, we only want to hear if it's Steven responding. And so we start hiking down. I sent Brad with my vehicle. All the way around to Center Point Trailhead, and I said, We're gonna meet you there around midnight. <laughs> all all of this is going on <clears throat> and we've got forty five minutes of daylight left.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: And I mean, we're for real, all in panic mode, but trying to stay cool. I call the president of the college and the dean of students. I don't know what Brandon's title was, but basically the dean of students is what you could consider him. I called them, neither answered, so I left voicemail saying, hey, Stevens lost in the woods, we're not going to be back for school tomorrow, just wanted to update you, and then we left. And we don't have cell cell phone service anywhere once you drop down off the ridge. And so we go down, and we're booking it, and me and Jimmy take the one trail, same thing, we're yelling every 10 minutes, don't ever hear any responses, and we get down to the spot where you take a small creek in, t- like, and you follow it all the way to the main river. And as we're walking, imagine like ten foot tall cane shoots just blocking one side of the one side of the path. And I mean you can't see through them at all with a headlamp on. I mean you're looking and all you see is cane. And I can hear something coming at us quick on the other side of the cane. I mean, and it's big, it's not something small. I mean it's coming fast. And so Jimmy and I are both yelling like, Hey, hey, get out of here. And we hear it stop, and it's probably, like, from where we're sitting to the house. That's how far away it is. And we still don't know what it is, which you guys can't see this if you're listening, but it's probably, what, 12, 15 feet? And we start walking again. I'm, like, walking backwards. Jimmy's walking forwards. And I can hear it matching us step for step. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And I don't know if you guys know this, but at one point, a guy let a tiger go down in the Buffalo river. I do
1: remember you saying that because during the hike down, you were bringing up like, Oh, there, there could be a tiger down here. You know, a few years ago, someone set one free and no one really ever found a body. So
0: yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't feed it anymore. Apparently some dude bought a tiger and he couldn't feed it. So he decided to let it go out in the wilderness (laughs) and two hikers had encounters with it. And they said they got down both of them, got down in the fetal position and it just came up and was like batting them around like a toy and then it was, like, nuzzling its head against them. And they're just, like, laying there praying that this thing doesn't eat them. And then it just got bored and left. I'm like, that's a wild, that's a <laughs> wild adventure in Arkansas. Um, so, anyways, we don't know what it was. We like to think that it was the tiger, but we never did see it. So, anyways, we get to the river, and we cross the river. Um, because from where we were, you had to kind of cross the river or go way up a bluff. Um, to get to the center point trail. And so we cross the river and as we're crossing we see lights and we yell for Steven and they're like, No, it's us and it was Jake and Phil. And they were they were at this log and we could see Steven's socks draped over the log, soaking wet. Well from <laughs> from this point
1: oh, Looks you like had, you've got a question. <laughs>
2: no, I've just so I guess having four pairs of socks maybe it was came beneficial in at this it point. It came in handy. It's you have like leaving, instead of leaving breadcrumbs, he leaves socks.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, so, Steven was here. So we're sitting there looking at this, and from where we were, in order for Stephen to get back to the trail that he needed to be on, he would have either had to climb up and over this bluff or cross the river twice to get back on the right trail. And I'm like, crap. So... I'm going to try to lay this out for you. If the horse barn is six o'clock and the car was at 12 o'clock, he had to cross the river at like right at the center of the clock. What Steven did is he went a hundred yards from the horse barn, maybe 200 and then cut back at like 130 degrees and crossed the river Immediate. I mean, within earshot of us, he crossed the river in the wrong spot, and that's where we found his socks. And I'm just like, dude, he is in no man's land. like
1: Heading the complete wrong direction. But
0: but at that point, I was pretty hopeful because I was like, you know, there's the BRT, which is the Buffalo River Trail, which will take him to um, – what's the horse ranch down there?
1: Um, I don't remember oh, what it man. is. Oh,
0: man. I can't think of the name of it right now. Anyways yeah. – he either would make it there or he would go up center point trail. I was like, so we're going to find him. This is like super easy. We're going to find him. And at this point it's black outside. I mean, it's completely night and we're in the bottom of this valley with a ton of tree cover, no moonlight, no starlight, nothing. And so in my like search and rescue mind, I said, okay, look, we're going to take a picture of his shoe print and we're going to circle it. And I know right where he is on a map in case we have to, like share it with somebody or come back to this point. And so we start hiking up the trail and we're all talking like worst case scenario, best case scenario. Everyone's like freaking out. And I'm like, listen guys, I gave Steven this wind up flashlight that was in my emergency roadside kit. It doesn't run out of batteries. You just crank it and it has more power. And I'm like, he's fine. He's got a lighter. He's got toilet paper. He's got his cell phone. He's got, his sleeping bag. Cause I wasn't carrying your sleeping bag up. I made you take it. <laughs> and so I'm like, he's probably nestled up underneath a tree right now, riding it out until the morning in his sleeping bag. And it was like, a cold night. Oh yeah. It was cold. I mean, it was probably single digits or teens at that mm-hmm. point. And I'm like, listen, he's totally fine guys. We're going to find him or we'll find him tomorrow. And he's just going to be hanging out. And so we continue up the mountain and we get probably three quarters of the way to center point trailhead and i see lights coming down the mountain and i'm like oh yes steven is that you and they're like no are you guys with steven i'm like who the heck is this and we <laughs> and we get up there and it's two park rangers and they're like we've got three search and rescue teams out here looking for steven and I'm what? like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, my God, This is like, yeah. escalating. They're like, listen, we got a call from a guy in Springfield saying that Steve, it, w- it was the president of the college. So
2: your voicemail did go through. My
0: voicemail ended up going through, and the president of the college called, I don't know if it was like Arkansas Parking or Fishing Game or Parks and Wildlife, whatever the agency was. He called them. They sent out three pairs of people as a search and rescue crew. And so I'm talking to them, I'm like, hey, what's what do you guys do in this situation? They're like, we're gonna canvas the whole Buffalo River area, try to find Steven. What you guys need to do is go up to Center Point Trailhead. Don't sleep in your car, sleep on the trail so that if he walks up, he can he sees you and like he's safe. And we're like, Okay, cool. I was like, what happens if we don't find him? They're like, We're gonna give it twenty four hours and then we're gonna bring dogs out. And we're going to try to get them on his trail. So they pull out a map. They're like, where's his last known location? I said, hey, this is actually where it is. This is his shoe print. Um, I pointed it out right on the map where we found your socks. And they're like, okay, good to know. So we continue up the mountain. Well, at this point, I have to take a dump so bad. (laughs) And I'm like, who has the toilet paper? I'm like, oh my gosh, Steven has the freaking toilet paper. Oh my gosh. And so I have nothing. Because I emptied my whole pack out, right, except for essentials, not counting toilet paper. So I've got a black T-shirt on, and I ripped the T-shirt sleeve off, (laughs) and I use it to wipe. And I was like, I mean, we had hiked at this point throughout the weekend, probably 20 to 25 miles, and I'm just dead. Normally, I wouldn't leave a shirt sleeve covered in poop out there, but I just didn't even care at this point. I left it on the side of the trail, no big deal. We keep hiking and now we're like 500 yards from the trailhead and I see lights coming down the trail and I'm like, yes, Steven. And they're like, no, it's not Steven. And they were like angry. And I was like, who is this? And we keep going and it's the president of the college and the Dean of students from the college. (laughs) And the president of the college was like a football player, pretty jacked dude. And when he's mad, it's scary. And he's like, Turn around right now. We are going back and finding Steven. I can't believe how stupid you guys are. The fact that you would let him, Steven of all people, wander around the wilderness by himself, that is so, I mean, just went off on us. And I said, listen, nobody else, nobody else is in any condition to keep hiking and looking for Steven. I know this place like the back of my hand. I will go get a new change of uh, socks and a pair of shoes and warmer clothes and I'll come back out. And so they're like, all right. And so I hike up the trail, get all my stuff, empty out or like drop off my wet socks and shoes. And I start coming back down. And by the time I get back down, Jimmy had told them what uh, the park rangers said. And he's like, listen, they said, do not for any reason go back out tonight. And so the president and the dean, I'll just say John and Brandon. So those are the other two guys. There's a lot of names in this story. Um, But John and Brandon, they... We're like, hey, listen, if the park rangers said that, we're not going to do it. We're going to get a hotel, but you guys are sleeping on the trail tonight waiting for Stephen. We're going to be here at first light with breakfast, and then we're going looking for him. So they show up with, like, this buffet of, like, granola bars and fruit snacks and, and donuts, and they both had Starbucks coffee, and none of us did. And, <laughs> uh, and they're like, all right, turn around. Let's go back out. Oh, one more thing. Before we met, met up with them or the park rangers – Jake, who is also not really a hiker or camper, is losing his mind. I mean, picking up sticks and breaking them across trees, and he's like, If Steven's not dead, I'm gonna kill him. I am so mad right now, I do not want to be hiking anymore. So we sleep we spend the night, they show up the next morning, and we pack up and we head down the trail. So we get all the way down to the river. On the way to the river, we meet these park rangers. And hold on, let me back up a little bit again, all the way down the trail, every piece of trash on the trail has like an orange piece of tape on a limb above it at head height. And it's got notes like possibly Steven's fruit snacks and like all this (laughs) different, it was like a CSI scene. Right. And so, um, we get down close to the river and we run into these park rangers and they were different park rangers from the night before. And the first question they ask is, like, are you guys looking for Steven? we told them yes. Um, They said, what color shirt did Steven have on? And I said, he had a red shirt on. And they were like, it wasn't black. And I was like, no, it was a red shirt. I'm 100% sure he had a red shirt on. And they're like, well, we found a black T-shirt sleeve. It looked like it had been torn off.
2: Oh, no. And I'm just
0: like, and luckily I had a flannel on because it was cold out. And I had a flannel on, and I'm like, yeah, I'm – 100% one hundred percent certain that that is not Steven t <laughs> But you don't want to sleep. tell them the truth. No, I didn't tell them. If no, some mine. Rangers
1: grabbed your shirt sleeve <laughs> and oh, yeah, bagged yeah, it in their
0: pocket, I know. Luckily, it wasn't like a four wiper, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyways, they're like, "All right, well, you guys can keep searching for Stephen, whatever." So we look. We get down to the river. I cross the river. I said, "Everybody, wait here. I'm going to cross the river and go to the horse barn and just see if he made it back there." Go back. No sign of Steven, no sign that anybody's been there since we had been there. And so I come back and I tell them, and at this point, it's almost lunchtime. So Brandon and John, they're like, listen, we're going to go back up to the trailhead. We're going to eat lunch, and then we're going to come back out for the afternoon and look for him. And I'm just like, this is unreal. The fact that we still haven't found him, seen any sign of him, heard him, nothing. So we get all the way back up. To the ridge, and we're hiking the ridge, and all of a sudden, our phones just start blowing up, and it's people from our college, and it's like this huge college-wide. It was like a Christian college, so it was pretty small, like a hundred people, but um, that everyone's texting us saying like our prayers have been answered. They found Stephen, and we're like, what do you mean they found Stephen? We're the ones out here looking for him. How does everybody <laughs> else know about this? And so we get all the way up there, and there's ambulances and fire trucks and police officers and everything up there. And Steven is sitting on the tailgate of this fire truck, like, pickup truck. And he's got an emergency blanket wrapped around him, and he's eating an MRE. And he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? And we're all just fuming at this point. We're so upset. And we're like, dude, what happened? And Steven told his side of the story, and it is not at all what we were speculating. He was not wrapped up in his sleeping bag, just loving life, starting a fire, none of it. So, Stephen, this is where you get to take off. Oh, boy. And tell us what happened.
1: Well, it probably made you guys feel better when you heard my side of the story, and it wasn't me wrapped up, cozy, warm by a fire while you were freezing your butts off, biking around. <laughs> but still, you know, I guess it makes for one of those nights that you just wish not to repeat. But... Equally as much a learning lesson. And I think the most valuable lesson I learned is maybe my idea of essentials at that time, of what I should put in a uh, school backpack to go on a a camping
0: trip. (laughs) 15-pound sleeping bag.
1: Yeah. I needed to uh, rethink some of that. But I guess uh, the way it started, uh, I was figuring, you know, I was so slow hiking down this trail. Maybe I should give everybody a break. And, you know, go a little little early and uh, pick up the pace. You know, that way I can just get ahead. You guys will catch up and it'll all be good because, you know, I could sense a little bit of a frustration on the way down. Cause oh man,
0: like, it was sound logic for sure. When you said that, everyone had already been thinking it, <laughs> but we didn't want to force you to go do that on your own.
2: And, and this is why one of the main rules of hiking is don't split up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's this like is, a case study. <laughs> oh for, <laughs> yeah, yeah this was,
0: right <laughs> this is exactly why you don't do that.
1: Yeah, I just remember the first day we were down there, and you guys were like, "Oh, we're gonna go and hike to these waterfalls." I was like, "Yeah, I think I'm just gonna like take a nap here." And I rest. think you
0: slept like 27 of the 36 hours that we were out there.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. Which I was shocked, you know, to hear of your guys' like Triple Falls experience years later when I figured out that you can drive down the road and walk, like, three-tenths of a mile down this path to Triple Falls. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, they hiked, like, all afternoon, and there's, like, this well-made gravel road that goes right I to I mean, it. you
0: do have to have four-wheel drive. Yeah. To, well, depending on which direction you come from. If you come from Compton Trailhead to go there, you have to have four-wheel drive. If you come the other way, it's pretty gradual.
1: Oh, yeah, that's it's, it's not, not too bad there. But uh, anyways, I guess going back to the story, it's like, you know... I should probably just offer to, like, hike out, get ahead. I'm going to want to just, like, take this nice and slow. Because I I really thought you were joking, when you're like, oh, it's going to be kind of a rough hike, you know. You're always kind of funny and joking around. I was like, yeah, you're, you're just, you know, you're pulling my leg with that, so. I was not. No, definitely <laughs> not. And you also weren't pulling my leg when you said it was kind of a rugged camping experience. Prior to this, I think the entirety of my camping experiences had been in backyards or at campgrounds, which is a little different. little
0: different. No, I could tell because of the gear you brought. I knew immediately that maybe you were in Boy Scouts, like, for one year.
1: <laughs> wow, you, you hit it right on the head there. Were you? Yeah, one year.
0: Oh, dude, I <laughs> nice. didn't even know that detail.
1: Yeah, yeah, one year. I think it was Cub Scouts, whatever the, the first little thing. No, that makes sense.
0: It makes sense that it wasn't an advanced no, scout experience. I didn't have
1: any, like, wilderness survival skills at this point, but... Uh, Yeah, so, you know, here I go, taking off, and immediately walking, you know, just like on the way down, I'm carrying my giant sleeping bag, and I'm just grumbling in my head, like this stupid thing, why does my sleeping bag have to be so huge, so bulky, and so heavy? And I I stopped at first, I was like, I'm gonna run my backpack straps through the straps of the sleeping bag and try to have it hang below me, but the thing's so big, it's hitting me in the back of the calves, (laughs) as I'm trying to walk. And I was like, this this isn't going to work. And, like, of course, you know, it's bigger than the pack, and it's, like, kind of pulling at a weird angle. So I was like, all right, I got to just, like, change up my method here. I'm going to go back to just carrying it. And, you know, that must have been right after I crossed the river for the first time. So I, I sat on it to change my socks because I was like, "Yeah, you know, I got three extra pair of socks. I'm not going to hike in wet socks in my, uh... they were, like, combat boots. that They were, they were like, two sizes too big.
2: So they chafed
1: real bad. (laughs) And wet socks was not a thing to have going on in there. So, all right, you know, that's got my good socks.
0: Well, at that point, I mean, you had probably dropped your sleeping bag like three or four times to reposition it. And I was like, I'm just going to carry it. I'm sick of this. Like, we're stopping every 40 yards for him to try to strap it on a different
2: direction. Yeah, it was. So just back up a little bit. It, It sounds like from what Dan said. Where you cross the river and change your socks was not the correct spot.
1: You know How the, did
2: you get there versus the correct spot? He made a random turn that he should have never made. That's
0: how. He didn't stay on the trail. He cut back on, like, this trail that rabbits take when yeah. there's a cattle path leading the exact way he needed to go. Those
2: trails are
1: pretty defined. Well, not the trails I was taking.
0: Well, well <laughs> at this point... As soon as you turned off the main trail, yeah, you were not on defined trails.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just remember I was like, you know, I remember you saying something about I have to take a left turn. And you had made me repeat it, but it kind of made me forget everything else I need to remember. (laughs) Because you kept reinforcing that I needed to make this turn that I had forgotten about.
0: At a post.
1: Yeah, see, that's that's the part of the the instructions (laughs) I forgot. I was like, you know, something about after the river, there's a left turn. I'll just go left right here. This has got to be it. And, I mean, yeah, my first instinct, I was like, man, this trail is, like, not marked at all. I'm going to have to, like, work hard to stay on it. And, really, it just kind of ran along the rocks, and there's some brush on the side. And it's like, all right, yeah, this must be it. I'm going to see, you know, it's going to start zigzagging up the hill.
0: All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. Now, if you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain or in the marsh or in the woods, you felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention it smells great, so now when I get home after a week of elk hunting, my wife can't complain as much. I need to tell you though, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he's an awesome guy. He makes all of this by hand in North Dakota out of clean products. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even something awesome like helping donate money to cover the surgery costs of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out Bull Elk Beard Oil, and you can get 20% off with the code NOMADIC. All right, guys, if you enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called Anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before. And it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast. And so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through. And you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So what I'm getting at is it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Well, meanwhile, I'm like walking parallel to the mountainside, so I'm not even going towards it. Um, yeah, I don't know what was running through my mind at that point. But it was just like kind of going like, oh, at least I'm not going to slow them down. They'll be catching up at some point. And I just keep hiking along. And I kind of figured like, you know, I need to be on the other side of the river.
0: I was going to say, you told me, you told me that as soon as you crossed the river, you immediately knew you were lost. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you could have whistled and we could have heard, like we would have heard you.
1: Yeah. See, if I would have known that I should have just whistled at that point or gave a good yell or just kind of anything. It would have changed the whole outcome, but see, there were no valuable lessons to be learned in that, and kind of the pride in me wasn't willing to actually admit I was lost. I was like, I can figure this out. How hard can it be? How many different directions are there that I could go? Like, surely, like if I just kind of head in the rough general direction, I'll get there. And uh, I immediately realized, like, well, where I was walking, I'm on the opposite side of the river. I need to be. So I look, and I was like. Kind of a little deep here, but I guess I got to cross, so I start going to cross, and it's at this point that I'm crossing, and it's, you know, maybe, like, above my belly button. And And this is in January? January.
0: Oh. So, luckily, the river's not running very fast, but if you cross in the deep spots, instead of being shin deep, you could be over your head in, Mm -hmm. like, the really deep spots.
1: I took a few steps in, and immediately, like, as soon as it got to, like, my ball level, I was like... Oh, gosh, this is cold. (laughs) And I had to take a few more steps, and it got a little deeper, and thankfully, like, hobbling and hopping through, I I made it. Yeah, But immediately I realized, wait, where's my sleeping bag? Oh, no. It had sank in the river. (laughs) And I'm looking, and I'm like, you know, I don't think there's much point in going back to grab that. (laughs) And I kind of stood looking at it for a minute. That sleeping
0: bag wet? would probably weigh 65 pounds.
1: Oh, it was giant. And I don't think in any way it was meant to be portable.
0: No. Oh, no. That's meant for a pack mule or the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, I didn't really understand at that time the whole leave no trace thing, which I guess through this whole story I'm doing a terrible job at. I was leaving every trace possible. Breadcrumbs,
0: you know. Which, in hindsight, yeah, it's probably better for finding you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you found my socks, and you realized I had to be somewhere in the general vicinity. Um, well, after this crossing, I realized, all right, I guess sleeping bag's a loss. I'm kind of cold, and, you know, it's January. It starts getting dark about 5 o'clock. And I was like, you know, it's going to be getting dark. I should t- probably try to have, like, a fire, and I can dry off a little bit. But I was like, you know, the fact I've not seen the other guys is kind of starting to worry me a little bit. So I was like, I just need to keep walking this correct direction for a bit and I'll find them. And I don't think that I'm on the correct side of the river, but again, looking around, it's like, I just don't even see anything that looks like a trail to me. (laughs) It's like, I remember coming down, there definitely was like a rocky path and it was a trail. And I'm still kind of just looking for that, but it's all reeds and it's grass and it's, you know, steep riverbanks. And I'm like, I don't really know which direction to go, and really at this point, it's like I may as well have been blindfolded and just spun around a few times and <laughs> picked a direction because that was about as much thought as I was giving it, anyways. And I, I look around, and of course, down there you have cliffside all around you. There's yeah. river ridges on both. Oh sides. yeah, the
0: the river is. I mean, at some points, a hundred, two hundred foot cliffs.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking. I'm like, uh oh, which ridgeline is it that I need to go to? <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm trying no. to, like, look at the left one first. I'm, like, does it look any different than the right one? And at this point, I'm thinking, maybe I was originally on the correct side of the river. You know, and I'd just crossed, just gotten all wet, you know, 15, 20 minutes before. It's like, maybe I need to cross again and get back on that other side, and I'll find a trail over there. And so I thought, well, should I walk back to where my sleeping bag was and try to grab that on the way? And I was like, yeah.
0: Yeah, because wet sleeping bags really help with warmth.
1: Well, at this point, I'm still thinking that, you know, if I get a fire going, maybe it would dry out or, you know, it's like (laughs) something would happen. It's a big fire.
0: That thing would take a house fire to dry out. It might be fully intact through a house
1: fire. You might have to toss it into the fire (laughs) and make, like, kind of a steaming, you know, fire for a while. You could have a sauna. Yeah, it would be great. So I, I start walking backwards, and I was like, Trying to guess where it was. At this point, it's kind of dark. It's like, maybe it was right about here that I crossed. And I'm sure I didn't go back far enough. So now I'm just going to cross randomly again. And, you know, of course, for me, it's it's tough crossing. Because I was like, you know, if it was deep again, I had hearing aids. I got to make sure I keep them dry. I'm trying to keep my cell phone dry. Because this is a decade ago when those weren't water resistant. And I'm like, crossing this time, I realize, shoot. I had my Zippo in my pocket. Oh Oh my my gosh! Those are not water resistant. I cross the river and I pull it out, and I'm trying to spark it, and of course it's nothing. It's filled with water. And in this fit of rage, I just remember screaming and cursing and throwing the lighter into the river. Oh my gosh! (laughs) So it's like it's it's pointless to me now. But as of this point, I probably now lost two thirds of my gear because I only came with socks, a lighter toilet paper, and a sleeping bag, and one extra shirt.
0: And my wind-up flashlight.
1: And your wind-up flashlight, which was great. Now that it was starting to get dark, it worked great at first. But, you know, you'd have to, like, every few minutes, it seemed like it needed to be wound up again. And so I'd, I'd, I'd wind it for a minute, and then you could let it coast for a while, and it'd, it'd still light up. And then, as I'm going, you know, over the next period of time, it seems like it's starting to make, like, these gritty noises oh, as you God. wind it. I was like, that can't be good. So I was like, you know what? What I should do is, like, wind it up real good for a second, kind of see what's ahead of me, and then I can just walk for a little bit, and I don't necessarily need light all of the time. Well, that was definitely a critical mistake, because I wasn't walking very straight, and I walked off the edge of one of the riverbanks and dropped probably six feet or so, maybe eight feet, straight onto some rocks by the river. Got a little wet again. And I was like, of course, at this point, like, I wasn't a very patient person, and like the anger is just becoming like an uncontrollable force in me. <laughs> I'm just like, why in the world? Did and Stephen decide-
0: angry. Stephen always has a smile on his face. He's always like talking and like having a good time. When and you know those people when they're just like silent or like happy go lucky, and then they get angry, it's even worse. You know, <laughs> if it's an always angry person, you can deal with it. But when it's out of nowhere, oh man, look out!
1: Yeah, it was kind of just explosive. So what? Kind of, what time are we talking about? At this point, I mean, it must. I was only checking my phone once in a while. So at this point, I'm still. i like, I need to conserve its battery life. You know, it's maybe at some point I can find somewhere with cell signal, but it didn't really work very good on the whole drive down there. So I, I don't know what I was expecting, but you know, at this point, it's probably around nine o'clock or so in the evening. And I'm, at this point, all I'm thinking is how upset these other guys must be.
2: Oh, we were. I mean, so we're talking what sixteen hours from the time from, from the time he left till you
0: get up. There. He probably left around what one o'clock.
1: Yeah, like early afternoon. So it was only so. like
0: eight hours of him hiking at this point.
1: And I pretty much kept moving the whole time. Eight
0: hours of him hiking, seven and a half hours of him being lost.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> and
0: oh man, you know,
1: one of the first breaks I took, I just remember being shocked. I was like, wow. I've already hiked, like, more than 10 miles this weekend. And I'm like, so my phone had this health tracker on it. I was like, huh, we'll just leave the step counter going. And <laughs> Conserve uh, battery uh, power, right? Yeah, And uh, so I start walking again. I was like, "This, I guess I need to keep cranking the flashlight. Because if I don't have light, obviously I'm going to get myself into a mess. And it's just kind of making these gritty, uh, uh, and just squeaking and gritting. And that it was just a good turkey bad. call. Yeah? Yeah. You think I can use that on a hunting trip?
0: Yeah, I think you need another wind-up flashlight that's halfway broken. Halfway
1: broken, yeah. (laughs) So I keep cranking, and it's getting worse and worse. And at a certain point, like, it doesn't even crank in a circular motion anymore. It just kind of catches and jumps, like, about a quarter of the way around the cycle each time, creating, like, a burst of light, like a camera flash. And I was like, oh, I think I'm about at the end of this guy. And uh, so I decided to leave it.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Ah. You know, I didn't want to carry anything. See, I
0: when you told me it broke, I thought it like, I thought like the handle snapped off or something, No, but like it a, just like internally busted and yeah. was useless.
1: Yeah, man. I was very sad at that moment because I was like, that was like the one useful thing I had with me. <laughs> really? Like I should have just left everything. Yeah. Because nothing else was of any use, but, uh, yeah, I kept, kept going on and. You know, I'd have to take breaks every so often to stop and dump all the water out of my uh, combat boots. You know, combat boots are great and all, but they're not really designed for wet environments.
0: No, they don't They don't collect water unless you're over the top. <laughs> and they don't right. drain water unless you dump them out.
1: Right. So my feet would just be sloshing around in these boots that were two sizes too big. And I'd have to dump all the water out. And it... Take some time to like stop and unlace these guys, get them out, and then try to lace them back up. Cuz I have to try to lace them so tight to get them to stay on my feet cuz they were too big. And I don't know why that was my footwear of choice for the weekend because Well, really- it
0: just fit with everything else you brought out.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
0: It would have been terrible or it would have been I don't I don't know if it would have been terrible or great if you had actual hiking boots cuz it just wouldn't have matched the rest of your gear.
1: Yeah. Really, I mean, I probably could have just done some grounding and been barefoot and probably been better off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even with my city feet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's it's going well at this point. I was like, you know, I'm getting very cold. It's I don't know what the temperature was at this point. I didn't have any way of checking that. But all I realized is that, you know, I'm wearing wet jeans and a wet T-shirt and hiking. And I'm having to try to, like, hold my pants up because... Um, They're wet and falling off, and I didn't have a belt. And, you know, it's that's probably a good thing to wear, especially if you're hiking around or planning to be wet, you know, kind of wet clothes, sag, fall. But, you know, I I wasn't prepared in any way, so why would I have a belt? Yeah. You know, a belt would have probably been useful for strapping that sleeping bag to me or doing something else with, too. But, you know, so at this point, I'm down to, like, two or three pairs of socks left and, like, half a roll of toilet paper in a backpack just kind of floating around, and I've got a Ziploc bag that I keep my phone and hearing aids in when I'm going to get wet. But besides that, I, I really have nothing left at this point. I've, I've thrown the lighter in the river. I've left the sleeping bag. I've abandoned Dan's crank flashlight. And uh, I decide, you know, I need to just, like, sit down and take a break because I feel like I'm just going to, like, lose my mind and just end up screaming. And if someone was around, I'd be, like, bashing them with one of the rocks because I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> So I sit down.
0: It's a good thing you didn't have a belt. I mean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably is. So I sit down and I was like, you know what? I remember that I had downloaded a couple episodes of CSI on my phone.
2: No way.
0: No. Oh, just wait, man. This is the best. This didn't happen.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So I decided, you know, I need to take a break and I'm going to calm down and just get into a little better mood and try to just relax a little bit. There's obviously not much else I can do at this point because I'm. Very lost. Like, if you had even given me a map, there's no way it would have been of any use to me. <laughs> because I didn't know where I was, where I started, or anything. I'd just go, oh, wow, that's a nice picture. Cool
0: map. I don't have anything to light it on fire with.
1: So, yeah, I sit down with my back against a tree. I'm like, you know, I'll just watch an episode of this and see where it goes. And At this point, like, I must be halfway into the episode and I'm like shivering uncontrollably. I don't think I have ever been this cold. I was like, I'm wet. It's like, I think it's time to break out my dry shirt. (laughs) So it's the one last shirt I had. It's like, we'll put that on. And I had like these, they were more, they were like kind of like boxer gym shorts. It's Like I'm going to just wear those and have my jeans off because they're so wet and cold that I don't think they're doing me any good. And so I take them off. I'm just sitting there and I'm still just shivering. I was like, all right, I guess I got to like keep moving and stay warm. And I'd seen on TV, like, you know, all these survival guys, they make fire just out of the stuff around them.
0: <laughs> oh, like,
1: my God. If I can find some leaves, and you know, I can make a pile of leaves, and I've got toilet paper, like, you can rub two sticks together and make fire. You <laughs> that's, know, a, it,
0: that's how easy it is, guys.
1: I Yeah, supposedly you just, you do that, and it happens, at least on TV. That's, that's what Discovery Channel shows. But uh, I make a little pile, and I'm realizing these leaves are all wet. So I guess it really wouldn't have mattered what I had to light them with. My, my kindling was wet. And I was like, you yeah, know, but I got this pile of toilet paper. So at this point, I'm just streamering some toilet paper off to make a pile. I'm like, all right, I got to get this to light. Sticks rubbing. I'm just making myself tired. I am noticing it's warming me up a little bit, but it's of no use. There's no way that I'm going to get any fire out of two sticks. So I proceed to get the rest of the roll of the toilet paper out. And I start wrapping myself up in it and trying to dry off, which I guess. Imagine the-
0: coming across that in the middle of nowhere. You see a dude fully wrapped in toilet paper.
1: I'd
2: walk right by.
0: Oh, oh dude, I, I would, would turn back around. I would There's would a mummy so in the woods. Stop I've, some, I've seen some weird stuff out in the woods, but that would probably go down as the weirdest.
1: Yeah, you, you see this young kid looking real disheveled. Covered in toilet paper. (laughs) Covered in toilet paper. And you're like, yep, I'm just going to go the other way. But yeah, so I was like, you know, I'm going to keep walking. And at this point, I have the bright idea again that I must be on the wrong side of the river. (laughs) And if I would just cross the river again, I would see a trail that would take me to where I need to be. So I'm trying to decide. I was like, it's really hard to see the river down there at night. Like, you can't, like, look at it and see, oh, this can be a shallow spot.
0: Oh, no, there's no way to tell.
1: It's just all dark. Yep. And so I was like, you know. This spot seems good. It's real big and wide. It's got to be shallow here. I was like, you know, if it's wide, it's like it's spread out more, so it's not going to be very deep. So I climb down, and there's, there's a good bluff along the side of the river, and it takes me some figuring out how to get down to the water. And I get down there. I was like, all right. I was just going to go across because I was convinced that, like, this is going to be, like, knee-deep at the most. So I wasn't even going to put anything in the Ziploc bag, and I wasn't going to take off my dry shirt. But something in me just was like, maybe you should stick your stuff in the ziplock bag and uh, try to hold it above your head in the backpack when you go across this. Because what if it is deep? As crazy as it seems that this real wide spot in the river could be deep. But, you know, I give it a go and I start walking out. First couple steps in, it's definitely knee deep. And then it's like waist deep. And I keep stepping and I'm about a third of the way across. And then I, kind of my next step, I just like sink in, <laughs> and now I'm like holding my backpack above my head, fully swimming. And I'm like, oh, yep, definitely not knee deep here, and I'm soaked and swimming across. I make a cross, and uh, I was like, wow, I am really thankful that I have that dry shirt. <laughs> It is the only dry thing I have now. But now
0: you can't pat dry with your toilet paper anymore. No, it's
1: all used up, and it's probably, like, along the river line. Because as <laughs> I was walking, it's just kind of falling off of me. And, you know, my whole leave no trace policy at this point is leaving as much of a trail behind me as possible. Oh, yeah, possible. so at this
0: point you've, you've ditched the flashlight, you've thrown your lighter in the water, sank your sleeping bag in the water, Yeah, you just left everything out there.
2: But did, did the search party find these items? You know, that's a detail that I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know for sure. I mean, it'd be hard to miss, because it's not well, like I was fighting. Well,
2: you,
0: no, you, they probably did not find any of them, because you weren't on trail. No. Basically, after you left your socks, you were no longer on a trail.
1: Yeah. And uh, really, I guess any logic would have told people to be searching along the trails that led back to our car. Oh, yeah. So at this point, I'm probably miles from where anyone is searching. Because I've just kind of kept walking and zigzagging across the river and just thinking, oh, at some point I'm going to see this big trail again. And I'm not even going in the direction of the trail. I'm just following the river and crossing it kind of willy-nilly when I feel like there's a reason to be on the other side. And uh, so at this point in the night, I'm just going to dry off with my shirt And I'm kind of just carrying it. And my next reaction is, you know, maybe the river was warmer than being outside of it. Oh, my gosh. Maybe I need to just walk in the river for a bit. And I was kind of just walking along the edge. It's like, yeah, you know, my feet do feel warmer when I'm walking in the water here. And so I went a little deeper. And I was like up to knee deep. And And
0: it's all spring fed, so it's not warm. But, yeah, (laughs) 50-degree water is still warmer than 20-degree air. But it will zap your energy way faster.
1: Oh, that's... It's what I was getting to. Here I'm thinking, I was like, you know, this does feel warmer to me. And every now and then I'd just like kind of bend over and cup some water up and get a drink. Because I was just expending probably more energy in a single weekend than I'd ever done. I was more of the, like, let's go sit at a campground. Or I'm going to play video games this weekend. Or let's drive to the river and sit on the tailgate of the truck and just hang out there. I don't just hike all day long. (laughs) And at this point, I mean, I've basically not stopped except for sitting to watch one episode of CSI. And I realize at that point that my best chance of being alive is moving because I'm just like literally freezing. And uh, at this point in the water, I mean, I'm like getting more and more tired. And I know it's like hard to kind of think straight. Like I'm feeling dizzy and lightheaded and I keep thinking it's because I'm thirsty. So I'm drinking more water and it just is not working. And I just feel like I could literally collapse just wherever. And I was like, you know, maybe I need to be out of the river. So I I get out of the river on the opposite side of the bank that I went in on again. So here I would keep my zigzag pattern going. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to kind of keep walking and I'm slower. At this point, it's probably getting closer to 4 or 5 a.m. The sky is starting to lighten up just a little bit. Like, you know, sunrise is still a few hours away, but there's the hope. I was like, surely once it's daytime, I can find something. And keep shuffling along. And it was right after sunrise that I hear sounds behind me. And what comes up behind me is two people riding horses. (laughs) And they said, good morning. And I mean, I'm sure I looked like an absolute mess. (laughs) There's like this disheveled wet guy. I didn't know
0: about the people
2: on horses at all.
1: And so they passed me like, oh, good morning. Like, "Uh, where are you going? I was like, I'm just hiking out of here. Wait, so you didn't
2: tell them you're lost. No,
1: I didn't tell them I was oh lost. Oh, my god! That gosh. was your chance to I probably to get could back. have ridden out on a horse.
2: Yeah. At least let them, like, hey, can I spoon your horse for a second just to get warm? Yeah, no. If you'd have just told them, hey, I'm lost, they would have sent the rescue team to you. I'm sure they the, had radios.
1: The, the pride <laughs> thing is, it's morning. I can find my way out. I don't have to admit that I'm lost. <laughs> I, I, I mean,
0: if you this. were watching CSI and they came up, all mummified out in the woods, maybe you would have been like, Hey, I need some help, but it's morning. Yeah. You're Steven. I mean, you're well, invincible.
1: And so I got the thought. I was like, if there's horses, they're going to a trail. i was like, I'm just going to keep going that way. You know? And, uh, I started walking and immediately I see a post. i was like, Dan told me about a post. <laughs> this must be the one I've been looking for all along. But no, apparently I, I find out that this was a different trail. I'm, I'm walking up, and I was like, this looks more like a trail. It's the most trail thing I've seen in, like, almost 24 hours now. I was like, it's rocky. It's wide. I can kind of tell which direction to go, which is a really nice feeling. I was like, it's going uphill. That's got to be right because it's going to be going towards a ridgeline. So I keep walking, and I'm taking a break for a second, and uh, I hear sounds behind me again. I was like, what in the world? Is those horses back? Did I go the wrong way? And I turn around and look back, and here comes someone carrying quite a big, like, a little bit bigger pack and wearing, like, a green jumpsuit kind of outfit. And I was like, this is like a ranger. Why would there be <laughs> a ranger on the trail this early in the morning? <clears throat> and uh, they said, we're looking for Steven. Are you Steven? I'm like, yeah, I am Steven.
2: And this lady, she's like, well,
1: we've been looking for you since yesterday. i was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I, I think I took a wrong turn when I crossed the river. She's like, well, you're all right? She's like, can I check you for injuries? And she's like, oh no, I think I'm okay. I'm just really cold and hungry. <laughs> like, well, where's your stuff? I like, oh, it's all gone in different areas. <laughs> she's like, I told her, I was like, I didn't start with much to begin with. I was like, and through this night I've realized I didn't bring much of any use. <laughs> but uh, she's like, yeah, well, we just gotta keep going up this way. This is a different trail than you guys came in on. She's like, I'm going to radio ahead and we'll make sure that there's people waiting for us up there and we're going to get you taken care of. I was like, great. She's like, well, we'll have to radio and try to see if we can get a hold of everybody looking for you. I was like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean everybody? It's like, isn't it just Dan and you know, Jimmy and Jake and Phil? And it's like, oh, no, we've, we've got several search parties out. There's some more people that came down from your school. Um, we were about now, to today. Now your
2: pride is is
1: it's yeah. sinking. And they, when she tells me at this point, she's like, "Yeah, if you weren't found by this afternoon today, we were going to send dog parties out, and then the next day we send a helicopter. But that's usually more for body recovery." It's like, oh, wow, yeah. I, I at this point, I'm just like, can I just like sneak away up this trail, and we can just pretend none of this ever happened? And we get to the top of the trail, and there is like more vehicles than should fit in this tiny little parking lot. <laughs> I see a couple of fire trucks, and ambulances, and cars from the school. And so,
2: which trail do you, trailhead do you come out at?
1: You know, I don't uh, remember which one we came out at, and it's it's not one I, I don't think I've gone to since. So
2: it probably the the Center Point trailhead.
1: Maybe maybe Dan knows where we came out at. Did, did, did you, you move? Compton,
0: did you move? From where you guys came out,
1: yeah, they gave us a ride back over. To yeah, then okay. you came out
0: at center point. So. Well, no, because we we met him at center point. and so from what I understand, from what the late, because was it a lady mm-hmm. in the group that found or in yeah, the it was Rangers a lady, that found Ranger. you? Yeah, I was going to say because we talked to her and she said they actually found you not far from where we initially parked on Compton Trailhead. So somehow you made it back on the right trail. Um, and she said loop. you were like 400 or 600 yards from the parking lot at that point.
1: Yeah, that's, it seemed like, so I was like, oh, this... almost is, made it. Almost. <laughs> but it he didn't just, need help
0: from horses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, see, looking back, I now realize that like, it would be okay to admit that you need some help, especially out in those kind of environments. And I'm sure anybody would have been glad to offer a little bit of help. <laughs> you know, even if it was as simple as like, Here's some water or have a snack or, wow, you look really rough. Do you need a shirt? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, that's
0: okay. I've got a dry one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a rough experience. And, you know, thankfully through all of it, it hasn't led me away from camping. It's definitely something that having the most rough and excruciating night of my life probably at that point made me realize all the things that needed improved. You know, and
0: it's like since then. Well, you you even had family come down, though.
1: Yeah, no, you I had, had th-
0: family come down. They contacted your parents. Oh, up they were in freaking Michigan.
1: Out. <laughs> my mom recently told me uh, when I was up visiting there this summer that she's like, yeah, the ranger that called wasn't very reassuring. Because she's like, yeah, at least, you know, her cousin had called her. And she's like, well, you know, my cousin told me that there's nothing dangerous down there, at least, so he should be all right. And the ranger said, had like the stern voice. And he's like, Oh, that's absolutely wrong. There's lots of things down there and lots of ways he could die. Why lie. would they say that? It's like, you know, there there could be mountain lion down there. There's bears. There's cliffs. That it's You know, cold winter weather. There's lots of things. that And could maybe cost. a tiger. <laughs> and maybe and a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> of course, so at this point, she's trying to figure out how she can get down there as quick as possible. My dad, who was sick, had taken a bunch of cold medicine and was just like out of the world. He was asleep. He wasn't going to wake up. And she was just kind of freaking out. So I guess it's a good thing she wasn't able to figure out flying or getting a driving down that night, because by more, by the time they got there, I would have been bound. But uh, yeah, it was it was wild.
0: So so after all of this happened, I would say a month or two had gone by, and I get a link forwarded to me on my phone, and it's for a website called hikerhell.com. Mm-hmm. and the headline of the article is overweight deaf student from JRLC. Disabled. Oh yeah, overweight deaf disabled. deaf disabled student from JRLC lost in the woods for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And I read the article and it was pretty spot on because they actually contacted you, right? Mm-hmm. And so they did an interview with you and I mean it has everything from breaking the flashlight to losing a sleeping bag to watching CSI, falling off a I think they said you fell off a 10-foot cliff and landed on your back on rocks. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very good article and I've tried to find it since. And I think the site's gone now or mm-hmm. at least the article has gone.
1: Yeah. No, the site had gone away. There were other news articles cause it, I guess it did get picked up as at least a regional or nationwide story because people had sent me links to like Fox news stories from other parts of the country that were like student lost in the woods. And of course they, a couple of them had, you know, referenced information that was like this disabled
0: oh yeah they um, did not paint you out to be a pretty person at all <laughs>
1: no. this quadriplegic's trying to work <laughs> his way down the trail so have you gone
2: back and tried to uh figure out where you went wrong
1: oh it's, it's very apparent yeah you know for a period after that uh, maybe not immediately but within the next year i started going down there to camp uh at least once a week, but for a while, quite a bit more. Always
0: I by himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not always by <laughs> myself. But uh, I had a buddy for a while that we'd go camp uh, like on Monday nights because he had Tuesdays off. So we'd just go down for one night. But uh, yeah, it was very apparent because you could see immediately. Cause like like Dan said earlier, I crossed the river and within feet went the wrong direction by like 180. <laughs> I, w- I was surprised I really didn't cross their path. Hiking around, looking at stuff, because I probably was going the same direction, away from our car, as they were. Yeah, And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like looking around, you realize, I guess, in some ways, if you're inexperienced and not looking for the right things, having a little bit of information could actually do you more harm than good. Because here I thought, oh, yeah, I'm real sure of where I'm going, and I can make this happen, but just that little bit of knowledge was just enough to get me in trouble. Yep. And, you know, it's like, why would I think that my first time to this new area, I can go off and just be fine. No map, no gear, nothing useful in my bag.
2: You know, we, we could put the blame on Dan here, an experienced hiker, sending off an unexperienced hiker on his own. Listen,
0: I should not have. But I'm glad he's okay. And given the opportunity, I'd do it again. <laughs> Because you, it you'd makes leave for a blind, good story. you the blind,
1: disabled kid in the woods again, yeah. deaf.
0: <laughs> yep, 100%.
1: <laughs> It'd be better if there was, like, a drone to follow, though. And you could make it more of, like, a reality show.
2: That would be great. Well, we're glad you made it back safe. Definitely.
1: And too. made a
0: great story. I've camped with Steven multiple times since then. And we all vowed that we would never go camping with him, but I broke that vow. And well, that's a good thing. And the reason that Steven was called Hot Pockets for a while is because we really got into uh, hammock camping. And, typically
1: during cold weather.
0: Yeah, oh typically during cold weather, and we'd get, like, the under quilts or, you know, whatever, so that you could stay warm in a hammock in cold weather. Yeah. And Stephen, one time we were car camping, and he hung his hammock and decided to take hot hands, and he put them, in his like, inside of his underwear against <laughs> his legs at night. And he woke up in the middle of the night and had burns on the inside of his thighs. And so Mm -hmm. ever since then, his nickname has been Hot Pockets.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least I partially learned from that initial experience because really within the months after that, I went like all out on the camping gear. I was like, I need a good pack. I, you know, I got a hammock and everything for that and under quilt and all the flashlights and cook stoves, jet boil, you know, everything I could possibly need. Like that summer I worked (laughs) and was like, what do I need to survive outside that I didn't have? And really it makes a world of a difference having some decent gear, but then also not being clueless.
0: Now you need Onyx because the cell phones now you can get Onyx and even without cell service, you can set it up to where you can know your location.
1: As well, long as you have
0: the map downloaded.
1: That's really good. Like, I've got one of the Garmin watches that has uh, built-in GPS and turn-by-turn mapping, which has really come in handy, because uh, I guess it'd be about a year ago. Uh, my wife and I were actually down in the uh, like north side of the Grand Canyon in the uh, Kebab National Forest. Um, we were about a 30-minute drive from the nearest highway down forestry roads, and... Uh, we had decided to stay a couple extra days and it'd been beautiful there. It was it's kind of this little secret spot at the end of some forestry roads where you're literally able to sleep right on the actual edge of the Canyon. Like you could sit there and dangle your feet over and there is nobody around and it's just beautiful. I mean, at night, you've oh, got yeah. all the stars you could ever want to see and you wake up to sunrises coming over the Canyon. And, you know, we decided to extend our trip and, uh, Through that, like, my battery pack that recharges the phone had died. And I also realized that I didn't have maps downloaded to my phone um, for that area. Like, we'd planned this whole trip out through the southwest, and I thought I had each region downloaded. Well, apparently this map software only lets you save so much data at a time without a pro account, and I had exceeded that. So luckily we had the Garmin watch because I was able to tell it, like, get me to the city again. And I just set Phoenix on it. So I was like, that'll get us in the direction of a city and we'll be back on a road at some point. And leaving that place was a whole nother adventure of itself. Um, Wild. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you, you start to learn that maybe you shouldn't be uh, trying to camp when there is a pandemic going on (laughs) because we drove, you know, on all those forestry roads going into the park and stayed and, We had to kind of be careful because, you know, we did a little driving around some of the trails and we had a a BMW uh, X3, kind of their all-wheel drive SUV. Kind of an okay but not super great off-road vehicle. Um, We now knew that leaving, we didn't have a ton of extra gas. Like, we have to be, like, really efficient with this and get on a road and go towards a town because we need the gas. And leaving, we, we take all the forestry roads back out, get on the highway. And immediately, I'm, I'm following the watch. I'm like, oh, good. We're going the right direction. I get cell service again. It's like, perfect. We're, we're doing good. Why are there no cars on this highway? We drove for an hour and didn't see a single vehicle. And right about the time I'm going to start to say something about it, my watch is like, what is this guy doing up ahead? Because I'm looking at my phone trying to figure out, like, where are we? Where's the next town? And in the middle of the road, it's a two-lane road. There's a truck parked across it, blocking the road. And I see a guy just sitting in the bed of it. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's just blocking the road. And uh, we pull up alongside him. Like, I lean out the window. I was like, hey, man, are you all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm great. I'm just stopping to have some, uh, some beans and weenies. He's like, okay, um, you're, you're blocking the road. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, there won't be anybody coming. <laughs> what do you mean? like, well, this highway's shut down. What do you mean shut down? I was like, well, you're going through reservation land. They got it closed. <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, so I, th- I think that he's meaning I can't go the direction I'm heading. Fine. We turn around. I was like, we'll just go the other direction. This is a main thoroughfare. It's supposed to go to Grand Canyon National Park. It's a main highway. We'll go the other direction. We'll run into a town. About another hour goes by. We come across a barricade across the road. <laughs> I was like, oh. That, that crazy guy was serious. This road's, like, actually closed. And uh, at this point, I'm looking at our map, and I realize the only route we have to take is to drive back down into the canyon and across it and out the other side. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which was a wild day. You know, it's maybe if I had a big, you know, off-road truck like I used to have or a Jeep or something, it would have been fun to have a BMW all-wheel-drive SUV with, like, five inches of clearance... The sounds that were coming from underneath that vehicle <laughs> as we were going down these rugged, rocky well, roads. At least there
2: overweight was overweight,
0: no... <laughs> deaf student Steven Strigula gets lost in the Grand Canyon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't cross the river down there. Yeah, that would have been a more knee deep.
1: It would have been. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we made it. We made it through. Um, you, you also find out that you know there's a few apps for uh, off-roading and all that overlanding is becoming more popular. There's a bunch of them cropping up. They're not always correct. We were uh, we were driving, and I was using Gaia. And I was like, oh, that's Thomas in, a, in about 1,000 feet. There's going to be a road on the right. And we're driving, and I was like, shouldn't it be soon? And I'm getting kind of upset and short with her, and I shouldn't have been. But, you know, it kind of a rough day, and I didn't want to be driving through the canyon again. And I was like, we're just watching our miles to empty drop. I was like, this is going to be rough when we're like 30 miles from a gas station, and i got to go hike with a gas can. Oh, yeah. But, uh. She's so like, yeah, the road's going to be here on the right. And we both just turn and look, and there is nothing. And, I mean, by nothing, I mean, I guess maybe at one point there could have been a road, but now there were trees that had to be at least five or ten years old, and giant boulders. It's like there was some sort of, you know, rock Trail, slide in, yeah. in the rain or something that happened, and this road is gone. <laughs> and it tells us not to go forward because the road is closed, and typically when those off road maps tell you that a road is closed, you really should avoid it. Cause it's yeah. like, these are forestry roads. They're just there for, you know, the Rangers to go do fire maintenance and have access to areas. If they decide a road's impassable, usually it's for good reason, which we found out pretty quick. Uh, there was, there was very deep ruts, lots of water and big rocks. And I just got into this motor. I was like, you know what? We're just going to send it. And, uh, just manual. I dropped it down a second gear. And I just kind of floored it. I was like, we're just going to go. And we hear all this banging and racket coming as we're just tumbling and bouncing over stuff. And, you know, we get through that section and the road's just muddy and rocky for about the next seven or eight miles.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I have to stop at one point. I've now got an oil light flashing on the dash. I was like, <laughs> we probably broke something. <laughs> It's like, there's no way that we didn't break something. Yeah, I'd never looked under this car at that point. I'd just bought it. I get out. I'm looking underneath. Nothing's leaking. We're doing all right. It had a stainless steel skid plate. And at this point, I noticed it's got, like, this huge gash in it. And I was like, oh, that could be a source of problems. Yeah. And looking. I'm like, well, it's not leaking. So I stopped. We topped off on oil. Seemed to be okay. I was like, Well we'll just keep driving. I mean at this point we gotta get out of here and I've heard horror stories of what happens to people when they get a their off road vehicle stuck somewhere and have to pay thousands of dollars for recovery. So <laughs> like at this point I was like, Well, let's gamble it. <laughs> like we gotta get out, keep driving. And hey, now we're on a we're heading towards a real road again. We gotta go through it's like some cattle fences and all this stuff, but it's looking like a more maintained gravel road. So, you know, it's long stories, slightly shortened. We, uh, we did make it through that again in about uh, four and a half hours. Got to the other side of the canyon and made it to a gas station with one mile of range left oh <laughs> on gosh. the odometer. Pulled up and filled up. And that was when I learned that, yeah, maybe uh, checking for road closures should be a thing. Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> I've got a couple questions. Well, one question about the initial getting lost in the Buffalo story. How yeah. many times... Did you cross the river that night?
1: Oh, it's hard to remember for sure, but like several and like in the high several, so maybe like three to six times. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Each time was like deeper than the previous time, which should have been like a sign to me. Like maybe I'm heading the wrong way up this because where we crossed initially wasn't that bad.
0: Oh, it was shin deep.
1: Yeah. You know, we're like, so I remember when going down, we all just took off our shoes and crossed, and put our shoes back on, just keep them dry, because you're like, oh, this isn't that bad of a crossing. And I remember like thinking in my mind that initial day, I was like, well, this kind of sucks, I gotta walk on hard, sharp rocks across this.
0: Dude, I would give, I would probably pay a $1,000 if I could see a GPS tracker of everywhere you went the night you were lost.
1: I'll tell you one thing, it's probably every direction except the correct one, until like, <laughs> An hour or two before the end.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, Here's... I'm going to give you guys each a chance to just leave the listeners with something. I call this segment Emptying the Chamber, and you can just share anything. Advice, a joke, it doesn't matter. So, Tim, we're going to start with you.
2: I would, uh, going to leave you with, uh, you know, something I think we learned from the story of when you hike together, stay together.
1: Oh, wow. That's, the buddy
0: system, that's profound.
1: I, I I, guess if anyone's not heard of that before, they should really take it to heart. <laughs> um, I guess for me, the little tidbit I would leave for somebody, um, having, you know, maps or at least a good knowledge of an area you're going to be, if you're going to be and on your own. And maps that you
0: know how to read.
1: Yeah, yes, and... I guess one of the crucial things with a map is knowing where you started or where you are when you start reading it. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that was really, I guess, one of the uh, pushes for me to get that Garmin watch that I could GPS and see my position (laughs) on a topographic map. But, uh, yeah, the tidbit would be know where you are, and if you're going to be in a new area, have a map and know how to read it or be with somebody that knows where you're at.
0: Well, I'm going to leave the listeners with this. If you're gonna go hiking with someone inexperienced and you want a good story, let them hike alone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Makes for a great podcast.
1: That's probably what that was your plan all along, I'm assuming. I think you're so, like... yeah.
2: <laughs> he just needed a few years in between so yeah. there wouldn't be a sore spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs>
1: Probably you guys were just, like, a hundred yards behind me the whole time, just watching. Just You're watching. Like, There's going to
2: give a few more years, and a video is going to come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. for real.
1: <laughs> Here gonna... he is,
2: wrapping himself up in the... It's like Blair Witch paper. Project, watching
0: Steven <laughs> struggling to light his toilet paper.
1: Hey, I'm, all I'm asking is if you find video footage like that, and it becomes a movie, and it's big, like... First, we're going to donate a cut to, like, the National Parks Foundation (laughs) because, you know, they deserve some uh, Arkansas Search and Rescue. Yep. And then after that, you know, like, make a little donation into my camping and exploring fund. There you go.
0: (laughs) I like that. Um, Well, let's do this. Where, if if people want to follow you guys on social media or just know more about you, where can they do that?
1: Uh, For me, uh, I can be found, I guess, Instagram's about the only one I mainly use. Um, And it's at uh, S Strigalek for the Instagram handle there.
0: And how do you
2: spell that?
1: S-T-R-Y-G-U-L-E-C. All
2: right. And the only social media I'm on is Facebook. Don't use it too much. But uh, you can find me on there for uh, look up Timothy Hargett. That's H-A-R-G-E-T-T. And uh, post once in a while. Not much.
1: I've been trying to be more active on social media. Um, It's really one of those things that's like, it was tough for me to like get in the habit of finding things to share or what do I have to share? That's of any worth. So I guess I've gone more to sharing things I want to remember. And, uh, as we've been, uh, traveling a little more this year, moved into an RV full time, uh, in April. Um, it's just been kind of where I dropped some of the photos of places I've been that I want to remember or just interesting happenings, but yeah. nothing too profound.
0: I think, I think we're going to reenact, um, Getting lost in the woods. We're gonna we're gonna put you out there again and see if you can find your way back. Sa- but you have to buy all the exact same equipment let's, you had. Let's do somewhere stuff. new.
1: Have you been to like Yukon National Park?
0: No, that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, we'll do it there. Perfect. Or Denali. Or Denali. That'd be a Maybe good one. we oh, a Denali should
2: be uh, try to pick an area where there really isn't tigers.
1: Hmm.
0: Anyways, thank you guys for listening. It was a fun podcast, <laughs> and. Uh, We'll shut it down. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I definitely had a good time sitting down and chatting with Stephen and Tim about all of Steven's bad camping etiquette. Um, I look back on it now and I laugh, but in the moment, it was kind of frustrating. I'm not going to lie. Nonetheless, I hope it made a good podcast episode, and I hope you guys all enjoyed listening to that on a different note, I've got to share with you go check out my website because I've got stickers out now and they're only three bucks a piece. I'm hoping to sell the stickers and then with that money turn it into hats and t shirts and all kinds of other cool gear for you guys to check out. Um, there's just something about having your logo on items. I don't know. It just seems official then. Um, I've actually had two different people make stuff for me. One guy, his name is Josh Farr, and he does hydro dipping. He was on the podcast and he made some mugs and water bottles and other cool stuff for me. And then I've got another guy named Sean Trump working on a duck call for me right now. And in the barrel of the duck call is my logo. So it's like a clear barrel. And then inside of it, you can actually see the nomadic outdoorsman logo. And I can't wait to get that in. I'll be posting a bunch about, about that here shortly. But one last thing before I let you go, please hop on whatever your podcast listening platform is and leave a review or rating or both. And uh, that just helps me get my content out to more people. Um, And that would be, yeah, it'd be a huge help to me. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless. Invest in cleaner transport and your financial goals with Index IQ aligned with National Wildlife Federation. Invest in the Cleaner ETF at CLNR. ETF.com.
1: Consider the funds' investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. The prospectus includes this and other relevant information about the funds and is available by visiting IQETFs.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Alps Distributors Inc. is the principal underwriter of the ETFs. NyLife Distributors LLC is a distributor of the ETFs. Alps Distributors Inc. is not affiliated with NyLife Distributors LLC. NyLife Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.